Welcome to Talk Therapy CBT, a conversation about educating, helping, and connecting individuals to the world of psychology. This podcast is supported and produced by Inner Balance Psychology Center. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Dr. Alba Raffaella, psychologist and author of Breaking the Mirror, a story and guide on how to recognize and deal with narcissists, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Raffa, and joined with me today is my special co-host. I am Katarina. not Anthony, and I apologize. <laughs> it's our secret, secret co-host, uh, Katerina Martins. Welcome back. Hi. Well, Katerina you know, joined us before, but it's a ladies' night tonight. Ladies' night. Mm-hmm. There's no Anthony here today. It's yeah. just me and Dr. Rafa. So we're going to hang out yep. and talk about therapy things today. Therapy things. Therapy things. Yeah. So we have some quotes. We have a topic. Do we have any news to announce? No, right? With the practice. I don't think so. Yeah. We don't have any current group therapy going on because we just finished the Mm -hmm. DBT group. But Mm -hmm. stay tuned for potentially more groups in the fall, parent groups, Mm -hmm. and maybe another DBT and maybe a depression or anxiety group. Mm -hmm. So we'll keep you posted on that. That'll be nice. So you know the, the drill, right? You have a quote. Yeah, we have our quote and we have our topic. We have a for topic, today. Our quote. We have, we have an agenda. Our quotes. You know, we're we got to do the whole thing. We've got to stick to the routine. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. Anthony's not here, but we got to <laughs> keep moving on in it's his memory. <laughs> his memory. His memory. Yeah. So today's topic, we are going to be talking about depression. And then we have our wonderful depression quotes. We have our quotes and we have our special, special wheel of depression. Wheel of depression. It's a literal wheel. Yep. On the table yep. that we're going to spin. We're going to spin the wheel. We're going to talk about a bunch of kinds of depression, symptoms mm-hmm. of depression, contributing factors to depression, but we have to spin the wheel. You're going to have, hopefully our audience will leave our podcast today with some more information about depression. That'd be nice. The many, the many forms. There's a lot. And flavors we, of depression that we have. There's like, there's we like. omitted some. There's a lot. There's like eight on this wheel. Right. And we still omitted a couple that we'll probably like hint at or like briefly hit over, but we still have eight on here. So like solid. The major ones. Yeah. Solid amount of stuff. All right. So what quote did you decide on today? Today's quote by unknown because, because reasons. <laughs> we do, we repeat what we don't repair. Hmm. So do you want to interpret that in your own interpretation? For me, and I talk to most of my clients, anyone who works with me, you know me well enough to know that I've said this a thousand times, is we're going to repeat the cycles of behavior that we're used to. Right. And doing what's familiar, even if it hurts, even if it's not helpful, is easier. It's comfortable. Yeah. So up until we're like doing something different and pushing ourselves to do something different, we're going to stay like boring, repetitious, kind of uncomfortable routine, especially when we are struggling with like symptoms of depression. Yeah. And I know it sounds weird to say people get comfortable, but I talk to people about like they wear it like it's an organ, like an appendage, like it's part of them, like they're so used to having it and battling depression as well as like that word repair, I think is a a good one instead of mm, fixing it. Fix, fix sounds weird. Like it sounds like it's a problem really messed up versus like a repair. Like you can go to a car, like if your car is a little (laughs) weird, you can go to a mechanic and repair it. Yeah. And it's not like, oh my God, your car's fixed, but it's like, yeah, minor tune-ups and, and things here and there. I guess it sounds more doable. Yeah. Like a repair, repair these, I guess, broken thoughts or uh, distorted yeah. thoughts or wounds or patterns of behavior. Yeah. 
Yeah. Versus like, oh, I'm just going to fix myself, I think, is where the tone gets like yeah. a little bit screwy for me. Right. And I hear you. I try to steer away from the black and white because I have some patients specifically that are very black and white people, black and white people, black and white thinking people. Yeah. <laughs> and they will often say, well, how do I fix it? How do I fix it? Right. I try to reframe oh, that. That's my, my favorite. I'm like, do I have my wand? Right. Let's do it. I think Dr. Rafa, want- we don't have our wands. <laughs> how many times do we tell them, I'm sorry, if I brought my wand in, I could fix it, but this isn't a fixable thing. Right. And it makes it seem like something's wrong, like you said. But yeah. reminding, that reminds me, since we share, mm-hmm. you know, an office in Pennington, I'm going to get a wand. Can <gasps> we get it? Oh, I want a wand. wand. Okay. And then we can pull it out. Yeah. And we can call it whatever you want. No, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm oh excited. my gosh. We yes. can have the we can have the visual. Yeah, because they've asked me for like magic pills to fix oh. them. And I'm like, you know, yeah. I'm not a psychiatrist anyway, so I couldn't prescribe pills. But magic depression wand, maybe you know, we can make one of those. So I'll just be like, let me just get my wand. Yeah, hold on. Let me that. just grab my wand. Did that work? Right. No. <laughs> We'll try it's not working. I'm sorry. Right. We'll try again next time. What about your quote? All right. So my quote is also from unknown. I wonder if it's the same unknown. It's one really depressed person. <laughs> it's, it's the same unknown. It's one. one. As if unknown is one person. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, they could be. We don't know because it's unknown. Yeah. All right. I want to take a nap. Not really. I am not tired or sleepy. I just don't want to be awake. So the reason I chose this, because there was a bunch of different ones we looked through, is that is how individuals will describe yeah. depression. Like they don't want to be awake. They just want to sleep. And it's an avoidance mm-hmm. tactic, obviously. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily feeling tired or sleepy, but that's a symptom of depression is this idea of being unmotivated and yeah. anhedonia, not being yeah. interested in things. Such that low energy, in. constant right. fatigue. Right. And a level of like apathy of like, well, there's nothing more interesting to do. There's nothing that's more valuable to do. Yeah. So or I'm just going to do nothing. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So do we want to, I guess you want me to kind of talk about our statistics and stuff like that for, yeah. I, you know, what, and what we'll is depression? The, <laughs> the vagues of things. depression. So people will often use this term interchangeably, right? Like I am so depressed. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. it isn't clinical depression because for a de- major depressive episode to occur, there has to be a variety of symptoms, five or more mm-hmm. out of the nine must be persistent for at least two weeks to give a person at least the diagnosis of clinical depression or MDD, major depressive disorder. Right. So some are obvious. Depressed mood, feelings of guilt or worthlessness, sleep disturbances, changes in appetite, disturbances. How about this word? You love this one, don't you? Psychomotor retardation. Ooh. Such a loaded word. Yeah. Or we can just call it agitation. Yeah. Like a (laughs) weird kind of either one, like the catatonia of like really, really like labored movement Mm -hmm. or like just that, that restlessness and like the twitchiness of it, depending. Exactly. Like just the, yeah, you can see it. You can physically Mm -hmm. see it with people, right? Loss of interest in pleasure and things you normally would be interested in. Right. So anhedonia, Mm -hmm. inability to concentrate, being indecisive, changes with libido, typically a decrease. Yep. Self-loathing. So you'll hear people yep. with these automatic thoughts and like yep. self-deprecating Just statements. a lot of self-damning. Harsh self-talk, self-damning. Mm-hmm. Problems with making decisions, can't think straight. Yep. Even for easy decisions. Grouchy mood. So <laughs> like that reactivity and right. like snippiness. Yeah. Physical symptoms. So there are physical symptoms of depression. Mm-hmm. Aches and pains often. Migraines, yep. stomach aches, muscle yep. tension. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, a lot of people have depression in the world and they don't get help right away. It's about 10 years before they that, get treatment. That was crazy to me. Like it, like yeah. the number itself immediately was like, a, it seemed like a lot. But if I think about clients that I work with or I've worked with, 
Mm-hmm. And their experience of like, okay, how long have I actually felt like this? When you go back and do the clinical right? interview. Yeah. Everything. Like when you're talking about it for a really long time, you kind of identify like, oh no, they've, they've felt like this maybe forever or they felt like this for years, you know? On and off. Yeah. Usually it's like intermittent or they can think back to childhood. Yeah. I have a few who, yeah. who will tell me like, oh, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's, yeah. you know, and these are people who are not in their 20s. These are people later on in like the, the middle telling yeah. me that they can remember being, you yeah. know, depressed or having kind of like these self-deprecating thoughts right. at age like 12. Right. And they'll say, mm-hmm. I've always felt this way. Like yeah. these periods of mm-hmm. not feeling as bad. So there's different words to use. People use to describe depression. So uh-huh. Eeyore under a dark cloud, Aww. being in a funk, the blues, yeah. the blues, melancholia is a, an old word. Heavy-hearted. I don't know many people who would use heavy-hearted. The one I personally use is Down mushy. 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 Yeah. You know, just like that, like low energy, kind mm-hmm. of like e- very similar to Eeyore. Yeah. In my mind. And, you know, it's not always obvious with depression. Mm-hmm. People mask it. Yeah. Particularly when women. I say women. Women. Very, very much so. At least in our experience. In our experience. Women have been the ones who like experience it very fully, like very internally, but look so productive on the outside. They're like, I'm doing everything. I, you know, I'm juggling all these things. And it's like, oh no, I just have this constant internal narrative and like internal feelings of like exhaustion and like not enjoying anything. And I'm like, Hey buddy, (laughs) that's not like developmentally great. Like that's not good. No, absolutely. And I think that has to do with a lot of societal shoulds. Mm -hmm. Like, And women are generally in the caretaker mode. So they'll say, I can't be depressed for my child or my spouse. I don't have time to be depressed depressed." because they're so overly responsible. Right. But then they, you know, they hide it. They often hide. Yeah. It's not that the symptom itself disappears. Like your depression doesn't disappear, but like why you're powering through it really like effectively. Right. But to some extent, it's just like really just being con- like, I, I imagine it just being kind of condensed in a pressure cooker mm-hmm. really well. Oh, uh, eventually it's going right? to come out, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there are certain environmental factors that can trigger depression. Mm-hmm. No shocker with some of these, but losses in their life, losing a job, divorce, death of a family member or friend. Or a pet. Or a pet. It's reactive depression. Mm-hmm. So it's reacting to like a situation, situation, right. Job loss. Yep. Foreclosure, like a house, like a housing issue. Yeah. Housing. If all of our basic needs aren't met, you know, financial issues. Very, very Maslow-y. Very Maslow-y. Very Maslow-y. COVID. 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 The C word. (laughs) The other C word. The other C word that we know. Yeah. Everyone, we, you remember, right? Like beginning, beginning of COVID, like early 2021, the anxiety or the depression? No, early 2020. Yeah. The the depression, like the complete, just like the reactionary anger, like just being mm-hmm. furious at the situation. Yeah. And then just like this low energy cut off. apathy. Just cut off. Yeah. I think that initially people weren't nuts. Everyone was scared, right? Because they yeah. didn't know what this was and what the rules of engagement were. Right. What you should and shouldn't do. And so then they were like, all right, thank goodness we have d- data or technology to yeah. connect. Like initially it felt like this is like a vacation yeah. stuck at home. Week two. Weeks. Week two week was two. still fine. It was fine. Once it was like a th- week three to like month one, oh, all yeah. of a sudden everyone was like, uh, Wait a minute. I can't go back to work. I still yeah. follow these rules. I can't do all these things that I make me happy. Right. Or- and it was either anger mm-hmm. or like full shutdown. Those yeah. were the two. I saw so much anger. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. I saw so much anger, but then most of it was just like, I'm, I'm angry at the fact that I don't have the life that I want Or right just now. the loss of control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. So that feeds in. How long is this going to last? How long are these things going to go? Right. People's anxiety about like the what ifs. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. And we didn't really have answers for that. We did the best we there, could. Yeah, there were no answers. We were in it with them. Yeah. Because we didn't know. Right. We were locked in our houses on video <laughs> calls. Yes, we with were. Doing therapy with people being like, yeah, I, I don't know either. Yeah. We're ordering our, our toilet paper from Amazon. I don't know. Right. And we, we have to wait like two weeks for groceries, mm-hmm. you know. So obviously something like a pandemic yeah. is going to cause mm-hmm. some depression. So the chemicals in our brain, which are neurotransmitters, can be biological factors contributing mm-hmm. to depression. So there's a genetic link to that. And other biological relationships to depression. So it could be not, like it could be secondary, I guess, like hypothyroidism. Yeah. Mimics depression. So we always have to refer people out for a full medical, medical. workup. Yeah. Chronic pain debilitating yeah. other medical illnesses, right. hormonal imbalances right. can cause depression as well. And then the predictor for suicide, you know what that is, right? Prior behavior. Yeah. But hopelessness. Remember mm. that hope, Bex made the hopelessness. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So when people are hopeless, they're more likely to, you know, feel suicidal. Yeah. So we have the wheel or, you know what, let me pan down since I have the ability to do scroll this. first. I will scroll. We got a whole PowerPoint on depression. I know. Well, I just did a workshop on it and I was like, hey, let me share some of this. You know, I don't think we'd done too much depression on the podcast yet. I don't think so. Right. I don't think so. I think we we kind of like, like dabbled in, yeah. it, you know, OCD. I remember um, anxiety. I remember like yeah. there was some that like you've done a couple. PTSD yeah. and I did bipolar. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. So we need a new depression. So let me just talk about, I guess, the depression with women and men, since we're talking about statistics, might as well, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the US, about 15 million people experience depression each year, the majority being women. Yeah. Kind of piggybacking on what we said. Many do not get the help they need. And women are twice as likely to develop clinical depression as men. And we were talking about like, okay, why? Because they didn't explain yeah. why. But my running guess that I have right now is like, oh, combination of like, okay, is it biological? And like, mm-hmm. is it just like a hormonal thing? Right. That kind of precipitates or that or makes it, or is yeah. it just like external societal, like right. the societal expectations of women, the, you know, oh, you have to juggle your work and juggle your home life and all these kinds mm-hmm. of things. Like, is that part of the precipitating factor of it? But yeah. We would need more research to we read. We definitely need more research because mm-hmm. it doesn't say it. And maybe there's more studies on the why. Yeah, is the it, why. Is it the brain? Yeah. You know, is it the, like you said, the hormones? Right. So women, like you mentioned, present or have different depressive symptoms. Mm-hmm. They internalize. Yeah. Really well. Really well. Yeah. Really absolutely. well. So same as before, like difficulty concentrating, somatic issues, headaches, digestive disorders. Mm-hmm. Persistent sadness, anxious or empty mood, yeah. loss of interest, feelings of guilt. That's always tough. Yeah. When guilt, worthlessness, helplessness, hopelessness, hopelessness. Yeah. All the isses. All the SSSs. <laughs> the SSSs. Now, men, now according to this, between 12% and 16% of men will experience depressive episodes in their lifetime. Mm. Chances of reoccurrence after the initial episodes are high. And they're saying they, they, magical they at Jerry Grossman seminars. Yes. The reason for the sex difference in prevalence of depression is not clear. Right. <laughs> so, Which is what we were saying. We're like, yeah, we don't know. Yeah. 
other than what we said between you and I, men are less emotive and often hide their emotions, don't really feel yeah. like they can talk about their feelings. Right. They don't chat with their buddies. Right. Or it's presenting differently. Like it's presenting yeah. with anger. It's presenting with irritability. It's presenting yeah. with substance use. And like that becomes right. like the primary. Yep. And that's like, yeah, well. symptoms of depression might be under that, but that's not the, not the quick like. presentation. Yeah. It looks like mood swings, anger, yeah. just the irritability, the hostility, because men aren't, aren't as likely to talk about how they feel. So things to keep in mind, you know, for the women and men in your life. They know that song, Tears of Clown. Do you know this song? It's like Smokey Robinson. It's an old song. I'm sorry. No. You're sorry. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. You're sorry. No. All right. So anyway. I know, uh, I know Black I'll Parade play. by... Black Parade. By My Chemical Romance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did we sing that? Did we sing that? Karaoke? Mm, I don't did think... We did a lot of my... We did a lot of Linkin Park. We did a lot. Numb by Lincoln Park. Ladies and gentlemen, there you go. We yeah. got our depression song for today. Numb by Lincoln Park. I've become so numb. I it can't is. feel you there. You know? Yeah. yeah. Become yeah. so tired. You know? It's the Nir- whole thing. Nirvana too, man. Nirvana. Yeah. Okay. So Tears of a Clown is, it sounds like an upbeat song. And the funny thing is, is when I was younger, like my parents played a lot of like oldies back then. Oldies yeah, sure. 50s, 60s. Yeah. Maybe 70s songs. And this was one. And I had no idea until I was in my 20s. But this was a song about being depressed because he makes it sound really peppy. I feel like those are interesting songs when they like make it that confusing. It was. So if you listen to the words, which at that point, there was no Google. Yeah. I can actually (laughs) see the lyrics. Right. Google the words. I'm like, whoa. So he's basically talking about masking behavior. Tears of the clown. Like the clown, you know, you're really happy as a clown, but he's tearful. And behind that is, you know, sad eyes. Kind of like the the Robin Williams. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So we have the wheel. The wheel. The wheel does click. It does. Yeah. So it's going to make clicking noises as we spin no, the wheel. No, I, I was happy that I remembered we had an actual wheel because we were going to do the online thing. Yeah, we were going to make a, an we online gonna, wheel. Which, you know, the digital wheel. Yeah. It can make clicky cool. noises. It probably could. They do. I think they make clicky noises, the one I've used. All right. So then we're going to spin the wheel mm-hmm. and then are we going to quiz each other? Are we gonna, what are we going to do? I'm going to talk about this quiz. <laughs> We're going to do our best. What do you know about? Yeah. What do we know about all of these things on here? And I have, and I won't look at my notes about that. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. We'll, we'll look at our notes at the end. Mm, no cheating. <laughs> ready to spin the wheel? I'm ready. Yes. Yeah. Spin the wheel. So we have eight contenders. Yep. And if we spin the same oh, thing again. Did it land in the middle? I don't like that. I think that's the middle. Oh, we're starting with adolescent depression. So obviously not a diagnosis, but like, hey. It is not in the DSM-5, but we can talk about it anecdotally. Yeah. I have a lot of teenagers. So again, hi guys, if you're listening. So the part of it, at least for me, that sticks out, again, part of it's COVID, just because there was like, there was such a really strong response from the teenagers because of the social isolation, because of like the transition of like all of a sudden online schooling Mm -hmm. and kind of like the unproductiveness of that, which was its own thing. The adolescent depression I see a lot is one kind of like interpersonal, like family conflict just kind of dealing with like the expectations of like parents onto their kids and vice versa. Or two, the like, oh my God, I need to make all these big decisions and who am I and who am I supposed to be? And trying to plan that going forward thing. That's been a big area of like disillusionment. 
I think so because teens nowadays have way, I think way more struggles than I did and you did. Like you did yeah. Kids, yeah, definitely. You know? Like trying to figure out who you are and then what makes sense and everything's so expensive mm -hmm. and then social media on top of it. Yeah. Making kids have very unfavorable comparisons to other kids. And yeah. The cyberbullying. I didn't like dating myself, but like I only had my space when I was in high school. And even then, I wasn't necessarily like... It wasn't huge. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. frequent. It wasn't the same way. Like Instagram to me is very like visual and like visceral of like, oh, look oh, yeah. at the life that someone else is living versus mine. Oh, yeah. yeah. My space and Facebook never really had that to the same degree, I don't think. Yeah, and it was kind of antiquated and mm -hmm. obviously the technology yeah. you know, wasn't... Yeah, it wasn't as accessible at the time. Right. But now there's this kind of constant inundation of like mm -hmm. information, this constant inundation of like comparison of, oh, well, they're going to this school and they got into this thing and they just got this perfect score on this test and blah, blah, blah. Right. And the friends and just like I'm let, feeling left out. Yeah. The FOMO. The FOMO. The FOMO. Feeling different. Yeah. The FOMO is real. So parents, when they're looking for, you know, is my kid depressed, which is sometimes tricky because kids do this anyway. Yeah. Hang out in a room. Yeah. Like they isolate from yeah. parents because developmentally they're doing that. Right. They want to be with their friends. Adults usually isolate when they're depressed. Teens cling to close friends, which is socially appropriate. Yeah. With better parents you right, know. than completely alone. Right. And then this is tough, too, because it can be difficult for parents to tell the difference between typical teen moodiness and depression because teens often have more symptoms of irritability and anger, which... Duh. Right. But, <laughs> like, right, but that's developmentally appropriate at that point of like, okay, yeah, mm -hmm. that's to be expected. I think I would look for like a marked change exactly. of like, if your teen is always moody and all of a sudden they're incredibly quiet. Yeah. Or that's drawing. Yeah. Like that's, that's more suspicious or they used to be really like on their phone 24 seven and all of a sudden you notice that they're not. Right. At all. Right. Yeah. Like a marked change in behavior. Yeah. That's why it's good at uh, for us as clinicians to get like a, well, how did your kid behave before? And the one positive thing, I guess, right now is that therapy isn't so taboo. Yeah. So kids are okay with coming. I mean, a big bulk of inner balance is child therapy yeah. and child adolescent therapy. So yeah, you know, I'm uh, probably like a good solid 50% of my caseload is right. teenager, like under 18 and under. Yeah. For me. And that was one of the selling points when I first started practicing in my solo practice was being a child psychologist. Mm -hmm. since there's so much need mm -hmm. and there aren't as many clinicians that want to work with kids or can work with kids. Well, kids are hard. Kids are hard. Kids are hard because yeah. they're not as expressive. They're not going to communicate the same way. So it's a different right. way to way do therapy. Practicing. And then we still have to do therapy with parents. We say, yeah, you know, like, that's family therapy at that point, you know, right. versus an individual in one person by themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have to hopefully get them to like us to some degree. Yeah, ideally. 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 Play games, normalize, you know. The good thing that I would use to join with kids is I have a kid and he's 14, so I can mirror stuff that maybe, you know, yeah. like he does. Like, hey, I know about these games or I know about, you know, certain things that they're watching. I just work really hard you know. to stay on TikTok and that, that, that keeps me going. You know, that keeps me moderately aware keeps of what's happening. So you can use the lingo. Yeah. You can actually have the lingo. I'm like, oh, the vibes. Yeah, the vibes are off. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Go off, King. Like, <laughs> right. So major red flags, new or worse signs of irritability. Right. Having panic attacks, apparently, I guess, when they didn't have them before. Well, that, yeah, oh, that's a big ones, experience yeah. at that point of like, okay, if you've never had a panic attack before and all of a sudden you're having, yeah, right. I'd be concerned too. Right. Comes out of like the blue or whatever. Yeah. 
new or worse anxiety. Sure. So it's gotten worse. New or worse depression. Yeah. So, okay, major red flags. Obviously, suicidal thoughts, new or, yep. or more. Failed suicide attempts, I would say, is obviously the most that major seems, red yeah. flag. Yeah. Self-harming, you think? you That's what I was it's wondering. Not it's list. not on here. But I think that's yeah. I think that's smart in its own sense mm-hmm. because self-harming, and I talk to parents a lot about this, so I like the fact that they didn't put that on there of like, oh, right. parents, look out for this. Yeah. Because as much as that's scary for a parent and it feels like those two things go together, there's so many people who are using that as a coping mechanism. Right. For other things. Not for other things. Or like, mm-hmm. you know, they're not suicidal, right. but they're doing that because they're experiencing pain, they're experiencing distress, and that's their coping mechanism. Now it's a maladaptive coping mechanism. Right. But it is effective and it doesn't necessarily indicate, oh my God, I want to kill myself. Right. So that's an interesting kind of conversation. I like the yeah. fact that they didn't put that there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As like a uh-oh. As an uh-oh. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely a different flag. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a flag of a problem, but not a flag of like an oh no. For depression. Your kid's gonna, yeah, like your kid's gonna off themselves. Yeah. In family therapy, we would talk about it as with enmeshment. Like yeah. that kid is feeling smothered and potentially enmeshed. Yeah. So that's a whole nother thing. But yeah, so it's good to educate, you know, mm-hmm. parents on what that is. I think that's most of it. All right. I think so. Pretty solid. We did it. We covered Yay. it. We did it. Next wheel. Mm-hmm. All right, I oh, wait, wait. In 2014, an estimated, this is a long one, mm-hmm. 2.8 million adolescents had at least one depressive episode in the past year. That's 11.4% of the entire adolescent population of the U.S., one in 10 of all. One kids. in 10, exactly. Hmm. And it's probably more than that. This is 2014, so yeah, I don't know why. We're, right. We're, this is not pre Also, yeah, also very old statistics. Why like, is this in here? If we're doing like 2022 bare minimum statistics or 2021, yeah. like mid-COVID statistics, that's probably like a one in like four or Makes one in here. six. Yeah, I wonder why she didn't update this because I just did this workshop last month. Right. Guess we'll have to find updated data. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to spin. Wheel. Ooh, look at that trippy thing in the middle. (laughs) It's like... Oh, another one that's not a diagnosis. Psychotic, (laughs) not a formal (laughs) diagnosis, but a presentation of depression. It is. Psychotic depression. So this is kind of what, like, what it sounds like. Yeah. It kind of (laughs) straightforward. (laughs) There's a thing in our big book of diagnosis, in our big book of being a therapist, there's like a thing that happens where it's like, okay, do you meet criteria? Boop, 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 boop. And then there's like Mm -hmm. this category of specifiers of like, oh, hey, people are obviously complicated and don't all present exactly the same every single time. Right. There is a little tiny asterisk that says like, hey, sometimes if you are depressed, you can end up with like psychotic symptoms. Right. And that is kind of a different setup. I don't see it very often, like in full, like delusional, hallucinogenic sense. Right. So that's like a different. Yeah. It's not like its own diagnosis and Mm -mm. understandably so. It seems to be part of another. Like I've seen it with chronic PTSD. Yeah. With people having and then some psychotic features. Um, Or bipolar. Or bipolar. Yeah. Schizophrenia. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that or schizoaffective. I've seen that. So the difference between it's all the same criteria for major depressive disorder, spending hours in bed all day and awake at night, not taking care of themselves, neglecting their appearance. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they will not talk at all, say things that don't make sense. So bizarre types of things. So possibly the self-deprecating, but then on top of that, some hallucinations and delusions. Yeah. 
So again, I don't have a statistic on this, but I would say at least in our private practice and most private practice, it's not as common. No. Maybe in inpatient. Yeah. Inpatient. If I remember like when I worked in the community. Yeah. Like when I worked in the community a while ago, Mm -hmm. but a lot of my patients were either bipolar. Right. Right. So that would kind of present that way once in a while, or they were schizophrenic. Right. I don't see many people who would have a very pure diagnosis of like, oh, MDD with psychotic features. Right. That by itself, I think, would be like somewhat rare. Right. You know? Yeah. We, I think we would like jump to something else at cha- some point. <clears throat> or it changes. Yeah. Could be a temporary right. delusion. Or like <laughs> maybe it's a temporary like middle of the way diagnosis of like, okay, we're going to put psychotic features on that mm-hmm. MDD for a hot minute. And then eventually we're like, oh, no. <laughs> Take it off. That's right. not what that is. All right. So let's spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. <laughs> Don't look at that middle thing. Holy crap. Now, I'm looking only at that middle thing. Ironically I, enough, I'm I was too. I feel like the spinning. It's like the barbershop thing. Yeah. It's like yeah. red and white and it puts you in a hypnotic trance. Seasonal affective disorder. The sads. The, the sads. Sad. Being sad. The sads. Which is apropos. Correct? It's sad. sad. It is sad. I talk to clients about this a lot too. A lot of people have it, like a touch of it, a a twinge, especially in the Northeast. Yeah. Because there's not a lot. Yeah, the Florida people probably don't Uh, have it to the same degree. I imagine not. Or California. I lived in California for a very short time. Yeah. And there were a lot of happy people there. Yeah. Particularly Southern California. Because why not? Northern California, there might be some sad people because it's small. California is big. And fog. Yeah. It's a big state. (laughs) But this occurs in the dark months of winter. Yeah. Some people start to notice with even like end of August, beginning of September, like as the time I have, changes. Right? I have one friend who will tell me that the second it hits end of August, really, start it is notice. a light switch for yeah. her. And I think part of it is cognitive of like associated. Yeah. Like immediately. Oh my God. The death is coming. It reminds me of like that. Game know? of Thrones. Yeah. Winter like, is coming. Winter is coming. You know, so I think yeah. that is part of it. At least for me, it is a solid like I think it, cre- it used to at least for the couple of years. I remember kind of not noticing it in September and then like middle of October, all of a sudden I was like incredibly yeah. depressed. Yeah. And then I'd be like, oh, that's what that is. Again, you yeah. know this, you've done this. And then you have to take your vitamin D pills and sit in front of a sad lamp. I have, yeah, I have a right? sad lamp, vitamin D pills. And there has been actually a neurologist, a patient of mine was seeing a neurologist that was really you know, buying into this. Mm-hmm. And, and he is the one who told her, who told me about the lumens. You have to have the five. Um, oh, like enough. The lux. The light needs to be yeah, enough light. 100,000. I don't know. It has to be enough mm-hmm. lux. In order to work, and it has to be in the morning, you sit under yeah. the lamp for 20 minutes, it could stimulate you, so don't do it at night or whatever. Yeah. And then sometimes the vitamin D, the oral, you know, dissolving mm-hmm. in your mouth isn't enough either. Some people have to get the shots. Yeah. But I get, don't they get shots for vitamin D? Or Maybe. am I wrong? Maybe I don't know. It's vitamin B. I am not right. a doctor. No, all, <laughs> all I know is I think this kind of calls back to the whole like, okay, what are the biological factors? Right. Too, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is a blood test. If you take a blood test test and because I remember I, yeah, Yeah. I did a blood test and it was like, oh, you were vitamin D deficient in July. And I was like, oh, Oh, no wonder, you know? Yes, you're right. They can do it that way. And I think that there's only so much you can get from a pill or food. You can't, I don't think you, yeah, I don't think you can absorb it as easily. Because you, yeah, probably just like pee it out. Yeah, right. Like it's one of those logics of like, oh, Mm -hmm. you can't just overdose yourself on vitamin D. Your body will just get rid of it and be like, that's too much to absorb in one shot. I heard, I don't know if this is true. Again, I am not a doctor nor a nutritionist. Do not listen to me. But 
<laughs> I heard this thing that said that mushrooms mm-hmm. uh, like are really good at absorbing vitamin D and mm-hmm. that if you put the mushrooms in the sun before you cook them, they absorb. Mu- and I was like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. But I would totally eat sun mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Cook them in the sun. You know, some absorbing it. Yeah. And eat it. You are what you eat. That's that's the logic, right? Put your food in the sun. Put your food in the sun and maybe it'll transfer. So says, so says Kathy, your local (laughs) podcast therapist. Do not do that. Yeah. Talk to your doctor. Words of wisdom. Yeah. (laughs) Disclaimer, disclaimer. Yeah. All right. So let's spin. Spin the wheel. You have to hold the base of the wheel. Yeah. Sorry. Ooh. See if we look so far so good with something different. Ooh, no, nope, I that jinxed was the same it. thing again. That oh, was, I jinxed that was it. Bad again, guys. You can't be sad twice. Yeah, well, you can't be <laughs> sad every year. So, ooh. ooh, there we go. So we were just talking about this guy, cyclothymic. Yeah, and I even I was like, I don't see that very often. So I was immediately like, hello. Yeah, we don't see it very often. Right? Hello. So this one, it's a fun word, cyclothymic, cyclothymic. To say it a bunch of times. I do like the name. To be fair. All right. So one person, one patient, whatever, has to have a persistent level of depression for two years in adults and one year in children. And the other thing is that this is not bipolar. Right. So we said it's kind of like a baby bipolar. Yeah. It's like a if bipolar, you have to check off this many boxes for cyclothymic. It's you only have to check off like half of those boxes. Right. So. Numerous periods of hypomanic symptoms, but not enough criteria for a full hypomanic episode and numerous periods of depressive symptoms, but not enough to meet for a full, according to our Bible of criteria for full major depressive disorder. And it has to, as with most diagnoses, cause marked distress. Right. And must, you know, get in the way of functioning in some way. Yeah. And also not due to something else. Right. Uh, preface for like all of these diagnoses is, hey, it can't be related to anything else, right? Or like attributed to anything else. So like, we're talking like, like a medical condition, <laughs> medical <laughs> drugs, <laughs> not, like also drugs, right. but not a medical condition, not a traumatic brain injury, not, you know, like that. Yes. A tumor. But if we rule out for all of that, brain tumor. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So as I'm speaking with you, I'm like, wait, I did have one person you did? come in that was now, I want to say she was previously diagnosed by her psychiatrist mm-hmm. at the time when I was in a different group practice. And I was like, hmm, I see it. I totally saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I definitely saw it. The mini stuff. Because it was never four days. Yeah. Because the hypomania has to be four days. Right. It was like one or two days. So I guess kind of like rapid cycling a little bit. But it was. Yeah. It but was it, just not like the super But it's, super yeah, super it's not doing right. like the full roller coaster up down. It's like the right. kitty ride roller coaster where it's doing like right. little subtle up downs that are pretty fast. Right. And that's tricky to kind of, because a lot of yeah. times, even individuals with diagnosed with bipolar disorder are not accurate predictors. Right. Like uh, reporters. Right. Or, I'm sorry, not predictors, reporters of their symptoms. Yeah. So speaking with a loved one can sometimes give you more accurate, like, mm-hmm. oh, it has been yeah. weeks. It has been. Right. You know. Right. I work with days. one person and actually, no, I'll hold that until we get to bipolar. <laughs> But okay. cyclothymic, I, I haven't seen mm-hmm. someone kind of present with a baby bipolar in that sense. I haven't seen that. It'd be nice if they just called it that. A baby bipolar? Baby bipolar. I think it would be cute. <laughs> it would be cute. It would also be very like that you'd remember it because cyclothymic, we're like, wait a minute, I think I remember that. Yeah. It doesn't indicate what it is with its name. I mean, the cycle. Very easily. Yeah. Like there's a cycle. Cycles. There's a cycle of something. Right. You know, there's a cycle, <laughs> cycle of something. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Go for it. Wheel. <laughs> Persistent depressive disorder, formerly known as dysthymia. More thymes. More, More thymes. thymes. I wonder, yeah. I wonder if they're going to get rid of that. Okay. So what we know about this is two years, right? It has to be. Yeah. It's a long-term form of depression, which can be mild or severe. To make the diagnosis, two years in adults, one year in children. And it's not enough. Not enough. It's not enough for MDD. Yeah. Yeah. So not enough for MDD. So it's a mini. Mini, mini MDD. (laughs) Mini MDD. Mini MDD. And usually is low mood occurring for at least two years. Yeah. Both. Uh, Low self-esteem. Yeah. Both the thymes are like, oh, not the full criteria for either one of its big brothers, you know? That's the way to remember. Yeah, that's my best. That's my best. That's my best logic, right? So P, like persistent depressive disorder is like, okay, it could be major depressive disorder, but it hasn't grown up to it. Right. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, you have one or two symptoms for a really, really long period of time, but not like the full intensity and like scope of MDD. I think that they must have just changed it in the DSM-5 TRA because- it still says dysthymia here in parentheses. Doesn't say it in there. No. Well, it's so right at the top. So it's persistent depressive disorder. And then it says this disorder represents the consolidation of the DSM-4 defined chronic major depressive disorder and dysthymic oh, disorder. I have that. Yeah. yeah I have that. So they, so they they renamed it. it. They rebranded. They rebranded But it, it was formally known as... FKA. Let's see what's <laughs> next. <laughs> Way. We'll try to get to all of them before this goes too long. Well, we already did like goes five, too long. I think, right? Yeah. Oop. No. No, we did that guy. Bipolar. (laughs) Bipolar. So this one, a lot of people use this word. Colloquially. Colloquially. Like she's so bipolar. And incorrectly. And incorrectly. Like so bipolar. So there's a one and a two. Bipolar one. What we see mostly in our practice is bipolar two. Yeah. Yeah. I've worked with bipolar ones. Me too. Yeah. I've worked with bipolar ones, but bipolar one is like, oh, you are a danger to yourself and others. Persistent, more like hospitalizations. It's more debilitating. Yeah. More chaotic, more debilitating. It's more distressing at that point. It's causing more damage. It's causing more damage. Yeah. And usually requires the hospitalization. And these individuals may experience psychotic symptoms. Yes. So this is a manic episode by, in what we mean by manic, Elevated mood, grandiosity, mm-hmm. increased need for sleep, pressured speech. Yes. It's all the words are coming out <laughs> faster than the mouth can make them move right. almost. Exactly. This flight of ideas. Yeah. I'm going to go open this kind of store and yeah. I'm do this. And then they usually don't sleep for. Yes. Yes. Because yes, they're yes. obsessed with this new idea that they have. Right. Psychomotor e- agitation with this too. Yep. That restlessness. Yep. The restlessness. Risky behaviors can come in yep. here. Gambling, shopping, promiscuity. Because again, if you think that you're amazing and everything goes wonderfully for you, why wouldn't you gamble to see if you win a million dollars? That logically makes sense. It does make sense because your odds are higher. Right. When you're manic. Yes, of course. So oftentimes people will tell me they like this way of being. Yeah. And your friends like them. Yeah. Like I'm fun. Right. People like me. It, especially hypomanic, right? Oh, yeah. Not full mania, but like hypomanic yeah. where you are mm-hmm. really energetic. You have a really positive sense of self. You are incredibly motivated to do things, to be adventurous, to mm-hmm. it's almost self-rewarding right. in that sense of like, okay, well, until it causes significant damage. And I think that's where the depressive episode is there to kind of go, oh, this isn't great. Yeah. You know? And there's definitely good books written on this of people's account. Yeah. You know, bipolar disorder. Um, So again, 
this one's tricky, right? Because people often have substance abuse. Yeah. Concurrently mm-hmm. with it. And then it's like chicken or egg. Yeah. Like, well, they're using substances because they're manic. Right. Or depressed, I guess. Right. Too. Yeah. So there's that. And then the bipolar two is like we said, the mini, the mini, the mini, mini. <laughs> it's the milder version. The milder version. Yeah. Instead of spicy. Right. <laughs> instead of spicy. Yeah. It's your mild wings instead of your spicy hot wings. Yep. And there's other diagnoses that are confused with bipolar. Yeah. PTSD. Yeah. Kind of could be right. And I borderline personality disorder often Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. will say I was diagnosed bipolar. And there was a period of time at IOPs, particularly in Mercer County, where everyone was being diagnosed bipolar at like for insurance purposes. Oh. So people were coming out like I'm bipolar. I'm like, no, you're not. Yeah. I've known you for like five years and I've never seen or heard. And I think that's the thing too, is like, if you are with someone for a while, like if we're working with a client for a couple of months, if not like a year, Mm -hmm. we will see those phases. Like you can see. If they're unmedicated. yeah. Yeah. If they're unmedicated in particular, like you can really easily see the like for me, it's the dichotomy between like, oh my God, I'm a horrible person. And then, oh my God, I'm like a wonderful person. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that doesn't just happen. No. Willy nilly. That, that takes at least three years of therapy for me to be able to get you there. Right. That's mm-hmm. not, something's up. Yeah. And I've had discussions with psychiatrists who don't know their patients as well as I do. Well, yeah. And they're like, no, they're definitely bipolar. I'm like, they, no. They're not. No. Yeah. Like, so Tara and I, or they're not bipolar and they're just quirky teenagers. And I'm like, there's that. Mm. Well, I think I sp- we talked in peer supervision probably about this. Like Tara and I were seeing this influx of like anxiety disorders with yeah. these psychotic features or just like, and they were being misdiagnosed with bipolar. Oh, we had a few of these individuals and we're like, no, yeah, <laughs> that stems from anxiety. Yeah. Because this person can't sleep because they're so anxious. Right. And then right, that right, causes and then they this, have those hallucinations right. and like kind right. of psychotic symptoms. Like paranoia. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. And I'm like, Mm-mm. so, I mean, sometimes it doesn't matter because the medication is the same regardless for yeah. the stabilization, but it was but more, it was I think more the that. label is one of those things that ha- like, again, yeah. if the patient knows what the label is, like if, if the know. client knows, then Right. There, there are consequences to that, depending on if that diagnosis is appropriate or not. Right. Or it follows them. Like yeah. some people get concerned because they're going into a you know, job yeah. or the military is going to find out it's documented somewhere. Right. Or any kind of law enforcement. Yeah. You're not supposed to have it. So or wanting a gun. Yeah. I don't think you can be bipolar and have a gun. I don't think so. I, Probably, in New Jersey. I mean, in New Jersey. In New Jersey. No. I, I agree. Or they that. make it difficult in New Jersey. You know, oh, yeah. whatever you're diagnosed with. Oh, sure. They yeah. go, no. Yeah. They're like, nope, not going to do it. All right. Do we have any more left there? We got almost everybody. This one and this one. Okay. Those are the two that we're missing. <laughs> the major depressive. I just want to see if the wheel gives it to us. Uh, no. We have to take it from the wheel. Right. I just, I want to give it Ooh. its chance. Yay, it did it. Good job, wheel. Major depressive disorder. All right. Do you talk about So we're talking about like at that point. So remember how before we were like, oh, hey, like mini baby major, (laughs) major (laughs) depression. Now we're talking like big hitter of symptoms and larger scale of distress. But we're talking at least a two week period of five or more symptoms. And those symptoms can be anything from just a very depressed mood, mm-hmm. not enjoying things you really used to love, kind of being apathetic and disconnected, isolation, 
change in appetite, change in sleep, weird kind of physical agitation and lack of movement again, feelings of worthlessness, like this whole spectrum. But the intensity Mm -hmm. is what we're talking about at that point. Right. And again, it has to get in the way of your functioning. It is the the mildly depressed. We were talking about the difference between internal and external. So endogenous and exogenous, like endogenous comes from inside, Mm -hmm. like biologically and exogenous could be related to a a trigger situation. Right. Car accidents. I used to work with car accident patients. Mm-hmm. They were dealing, first of all, that whole system, the system is screwed, and yeah. screwy and a wreck mm-hmm. to navigate and nobody knows how to figure that out. Yes, of you course. Screw it. As is tradition. Right. And then there's the chronic pain or TBI that may yeah. with it. Yeah. So a lot of depression with that. That I've seen. I've worked with people who had chronic yeah. pain conditions and like- Or disability. Just, they're on yeah. disability now. Yeah. And then they're depressed. So just the- mental kind of toll of any kind of treatment, the mental toll of chronic pain, the mental toll of well, like the, the diagnosis, all of these things. Right. And with, with hip, which is personal injury, you know, with the insurance through yeah. auto, they cut you off. Like they, okay, you can go to therapy for so long. You can go to PT for so long or Cairo. And then they're like, nah. What is the point of insurance companies, honestly? Like, why right. do we have them? They cut you off. Well, yeah. you know what it is? They don't want to pay anymore. Yeah. It's always about money. And they'll say, no, 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 we know you're depressed and you have a problem, but now go through your health insurance. Yeah. Because they're, they're passing auto, the buck at that even point. Even though it's related to a personal injury or an auto yeah. accident, they pass the buck. So mm-hmm. we, you know, depression's high. We've seen people yeah. who are depressed. And what helps them to get through with treatment, obviously, is often medication. Mm-hmm. But with our work, it's helping to instill hope. Yeah. changing negative core beliefs, yeah. changing dysfunctional thinking, yeah, behavioral activation. Yes. Is right. It's that, again, key. right, changing those patterns of behavior. And especially with like right. MDD has so much of kind of this perspective of I have no worth, I have no value, there's nothing good for me going forward. Mm-hmm. And being able to kind of poke some holes Into in those like yeah. long-term belief systems of like, okay, buddy. Right. No. <laughs> like mm, let's no. define worth yeah like what do you mean like I, you're breathing you're yeah. contributing to society the running you know? thing i have right now is telling them like do you or i have access to santa's naughty list to be able to tell you that you're like a bad person mm-hmm. no no okay right. so then we don't know right let's leave it at like neutral right let's say <laughs> rather neutral. than putting you on the naughty list, <laughs> the naughty list no <laughs> Right, right, right. So homework is huge, helping people to buy into doing some homework and yeah. flavoring in some ACT, some acceptance command therapy mm-hmm. with value work. So these are sometimes really difficult people to treat. It's you know? it's like one of the things I always talk about is the directionality of an emotion and mm-hmm. like a state of being, right? So anxiety wants to fix something. It wants to do something. It wants to fix something. It wants to figure out something. So it has a lot of energy behind it. Sure. Cool. Anger wants to fight something. It has a lot <laughs> of energy behind it. Cool. Depression has no energy behind it. Right. So the whole inertia of it, of like, okay, I know you have no energy. I know it's really hard, but we have to start somewhere to gain that energy to be able to keep moving is the hard part for anyone. Yeah. Getting people to just do a little bit. Yeah. And educating them on the biology of like, no, when you do this, your serotonin will increase, your dopamine will increase. It will be worth it. Right. This idea of carrot stick, like it'll be worth it. Yeah. And then naturally you'll start to feel better and crawl crawl out of the hole. Right. But it's that that initial kind of like, okay, I know you got no energy and I know it's going to take a lot of force, but we're going to have to push to do the first few things. Yeah. The listlessness is really hard. 
and then trying to figure out what people are interested in. Like, okay, yeah. well, you'll get up and go make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> or you'll get up and go check the mail. Like you'll do something. Right. You'll go up and like you get up and take out your dog. Right. Animal so we just have to get enough. Yeah. Like we have to get enough buy-in into like, okay, we're going to treat you the way you treat your dog. Yeah. We are going to like invest in ourselves a little bit more right. than we currently are. And that's good. It's bargaining. Yeah. It's bargaining and meeting people where they're at with what they can do. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to roll from there. And then ideally, and hopefully it's, and it generally, we just keep tweaking as needed. It does work and help and people. So the cool thing is it's feedback. They don't immediately start to feel better, Yeah, but they can start to feel differently gradually. I do a lot of mood trackers. Yeah, me too. I do a lot of mood trackers where it's scheduling and even phone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, track because they won't believe us. I'll be like, no, your mood is better than it was two weeks ago. And that's why I do the scale of one to 10. Yeah. Yeah. Or the BDI. Right. Depression inventory. And I'm like, no, no, let me pull this out yeah. from a month ago and let's relate it to you've been doing this stuff and you feel a little bit better. Right. Or I'll say like something I'll notice kind of, okay, well, three weeks ago when this kind of inconvenient situation happened, you went straight to, right. oh my God, it's my fault. I'm a horrible person, blah, blah, blah. And this right. week you didn't do that. You kind of were right. able to kind of stand in that middle ground. Mm-hmm. So being able to kind of go, look, 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 you're doing the thing. You're doing yeah. the thing doing it and giving You're, praise and encouragement. Yeah. And being. So I was always taught that with severely depressed individuals, behavioral change is easy to grab and try to get people to mm-hmm. do these cognitive shifts are hard, are really hard unless you're moder- moderately depressed. Yeah. I rationalize it and talk about it like this is where we're going to start. Yeah. Yeah. So we're on the same page. We're simpatico. Yeah. We got it. <laughs> we got it. We got it. Doing some evidence-based treatment. Nice. Nice, nice. High five. I knew I I I liked you. (laughs) This is why I'm hired, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. One more. We only have one more. I'm not going to spin the wheel about it because that is going to make it more complicated. We're going to help it along. Yeah. This is, okay. So (laughs) say this one, disruptive mood dysregulation disorder, DMDD. Yeah. This was created for children specifically because- the bipolar thing. So there's a book called The Bipolar Child, which I recommend to parents. It's a really good book. There's a place in New York. I forget the name of it off the top of my head. It's in the Pennington office, I think, to really describe what bipolar looks like in kids because it's not as common. So they Yeah, I don't see this a lot. Well, one, I don't work with kids that often, to that be young. fair. But Just yeah, young. that, that, that young. Right. I've only seen it maybe once or twice. Right. Like a true bipolar. And there's, mm-hmm. and it doesn't pop up at like age 10. There's like a history of it. Yeah. Where it's usually related, not exactly to colic, but like to problems with sleeping and eating as a baby, mm. being a difficult baby, being creative, like lots of different things in their drawings that they pinpoint. So that, that book's really cool to kind of like talk about case studies. And then the place in New York, I imagine still exists. Yeah. And that's a good place to go to get a really good workup for children to get to see if it really is bipolar. Yeah. So DMDD was created, hmm, DSM-4 or 5? No. I don't know. Hold on. I can find out. I can find out. (laughs) I don't know. I can find out. I I have the manual. I have the manual. Fact check. I wasn't cheating, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. So these are like temper tantrum, like a lot of like moody Yeah, a lot of reactivity. Reactivity and like temper tantrums in kids and shifts with mood. I want to say what I've seen with it, because I know some kids with it, is kind of this maniacal <laughs> behavior. Yeah. Like menacing, maniacal. Does that make Ooh. sense? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I don't see it that often. 
I yeah. think I've seen it once or twice, but it's, yeah, it is a little bit more like this is in here. So aggressive. And it's it not, doesn't say ironically enough on here. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah, no, it doesn't. So it, it wasn't like a recent. Yeah, it might have been like the five. last one or the one before that. Okay, so persist for at least a year, no more than consecutive three months break in this temper pattern. Mood between outbursts is persistently irritable, angry most of the day. Yeah. Temper outbursts are inconsistent with development. So this is not in children age like two yeah. or three because right. that's a tough age. And again, it has to be severity is occurring three or four times a week. Characterized by severe recurrent verbal and or behavioral outbursts that are out of proportion yeah. in intensity. Grossly, in grossly out of proportion. Yeah. Like, yeah. eat your peas. <laughs> yeah, but at like the age of like seven. Yeah. You know, because like yeah. a three-year-old doing that, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Right. And usually it's... Pers- but like a 10-year-old doing that, you're like, okay, why is Freaking that out. happening? Yeah. yeah. Or uh, I imagine it's saying no, disciplining yeah. these children. Yeah, know, any kind of consequence. Right. Or, you know, it's like, oh no, you can't have ice cream before bed. Right. kind of thing. And then it's just like a full, like they're punching doors at that point. And it lasts a long time. So I remember learning the difference between like an ADHD kind of hyperactivity outburst with children and bipolar. Bipolar mm-hmm. is longer. Yeah. Like in bipolar kids or DMDD, I imagine yeah. too. It isn't just like this 10 minute. It's like parent. I, there was a kid that I saw actually yeah. that had bipolar, truly did. I think she was six or seven. She's pretty young when she's diagnosed. 45 minute outburst. Wow. It wasn't just the short duration, you know, and it was, yeah, it was intense and she was hospitalized a lot. So DMDD is an up and coming like diagnosis for kids. Yeah. We're trying to get away from the pathology of bipolar. Yeah. I think they're trying to, we're trying to scale up almost in that sense of like, okay, we don't want to diagnose a child Mm -hmm. with bipolar, but we do want to acknowledge that the behavior is Mm -hmm. dysfunctional. Right. So what can we label this with? Okay. Oh, I found out where mine. I found it's in Microsoft Edge. That's oh. why I was like, where is this going? Oh my gosh. All right. So we've been recording for a while. So we might as well, we went yeah. through the wheel. We might as yeah. well wrap it up. We don't have a game. I don't, that was our game. Well, this was the whole thing. The wheel, spinning the wheel was again. We didn't quiz each other. Yeah. Each other it was not a game game. But, but it was a game. We get to go eat dinner now. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that is the reward, guys. This is the reward. We right. won. We did. At depression. <laughs> so we've seen almost all these. The only thing we didn't touch on, which is totally fine, is postpartum depression. That Premenstrual occurs. dysphoric disorder. PMDD. We mm-hmm. didn't choose. Mm-hmm. Sorry, ladies. Yeah. Maybe, we'll, maybe we'll have like a women's, we'll have a women's, a women's day. Yeah. Like a women's show. Talk about diagnoses that are specific to women. Yeah. Or things like miscarriages and stuff. You know, kind mm-hmm. of ladies yeah. day. Oh, ladies day. Ladies day. We could do that if yeah. you want to be a guest again. Hey. <laughs> Why, why not? The summer schedule. The summer schedule is a little tough. So. Anthony's busy. I know. Yeah. He's a- working his other job. <laughs> no time for podcast. He couldn't make time for the podcast. I know, right? What the heck? <laughs> so I'm here with the wheel. Okay. I know. Yeah. So it's fun. I'm glad to have you because you get to offer like clinical information. and Yeah. It's different because I feel like I... One, we're trained differently because mm-hmm. I'm a little counselor. So it's a different training and different setup, <laughs> you know, but with at least I spend a lot of time with teenagers. I spend a lot of time mm-hmm. with, you know, moms, a lot of moms. I have a lot of moms. You have a lot of moms. I have a lot of moms right now. I met, yeah, I more women for sure than men. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I have a select moms. handful of men. Yeah. I'd say that it's mostly moms. Yeah. Moms I have a ton. Out. I have a ton of teenagers to young adults. Like mm-hmm. 25. 
Well, I the kids that I was seeing or mm-hmm. were seeing for, I don't even know how many years now, maybe 10 years or so yeah. ago. They're like in their 20s now. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. it's so fun. It is. It's so fun. I feel like I've been with them on this journey. I so For cool. me, it's all of my little seniors who are going off to college. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I've been with you for so long. It's so cute. You know, you get to see the growth. Look how much. Cool. Yeah, it's the growth. It's the growth for me. I like us adding in like anecdotal stuff, like our clinicals that I have cases and, you know, conceptualization of cases like this, either kind of clients, because yeah. that's real. I mean, reading from a book is one thing and taking yeah. a class or a workshop, but it's not the same. In the workshop, we were, it was interactive because we had to be. So we were just, kind of, <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to be, but I had to for my licensure. So we were talking about like, well, what do you see in your practice? Yeah. Like what kinds of bipolar or depressed patients mm-hmm. do you see? So it was good to hear those stories. All right. So thanks for listening to our show. Catch all of our episodes and more at www.innerbalancepsychology.com or talktherapycbt.com. Email us at info at innerbalancepsychology.com. Still haven't gotten any emails, but maybe one day. Maybe. One day. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> and remember to stop it and give yourself a chance. Thank you.